Is this Christina? Yes. Hi. We're still waiting for David, but I'm glad you got on. That means it's working. It's working for one of us. Yeah. Two of us. (laughs) Well, we're officially on the podcast, so we'll just welcome everybody and and let everyone know you are involution. And I think David is just connecting right now. Is that you, Bruner? It is. It is me. How are you doing? Good. Christina's here at work. The three-way has begun. Excellent. <laughs> hi. hi, Katie Burke. Hi, Christina Crooks. Hi, hi, Hello, hi. David Bruner. Just to this involution. Yes. It's not the same without David saying it like that. Um, I, I, I want to hear Tess. I'm going to miss when her little voice starts to get grown up. Yeah, me too. So, uh, Christina, we we call our podcast Spiritual Involution because we believe looking inward, us expand outward. And we wanted to bring you onto the podcast because you had brought up a really interesting Um, question I guess about finding the difference or space between fierce love and justified righteousness so with that I wanted to see if you could explain what you meant by that I'll bet there's a story there (laughs) what's the story you don't say I yeah so um there is and it's a it's a space I've been rumbling with really specifically the last week. And um, it's something that has kind of been there on and off for the last year, but I finally had words for what it is I was grappling with. And it, it came up because I find myself in these conversations with people where I'm kind of up against something. And I did a workshop once before on love and fear. And I talked a lot about love being in these two different places and one was boundaried love and one was uh one was armored love and one felt very closed off and it was very it was armored it was it was this is not safe here was kind of the context whereas boundaried love was this isn't okay for me or this is okay for me and and having boundaries around love and so that's been something in my in my wheelhouse for a while that I've really been exploring. And I have a lot of love around supporting people through difficult things and supporting them through fear and including myself. And I want to be able to enter conversations in a way that really stands for that and holds people to account for their beingness. But I don't want to make them wrong in the process of doing that. And Sometimes I feel like they are wrong and, and I feel like their, their mindset is incorrect. And so, I, so I'm going, okay, well, what's the difference between being justified in that response and making someone wrong in order to be right? And where's the space of really holding someone to account for their behavior? Okay, thank you. You want to give us an illustration? Can you do that? Yeah, um, I recently had an interaction with someone that I felt that it was someone that was a leader 
And I felt that they were kind of running a thread in, in their community that really supported division rather than togetherness. And yet this person spoke a lot about togetherness and they were in the spiritual realm. And I got into this kind of one-on-one discussion with this person where I felt like in the moment I was fiercely standing for love and I was really just going to tell him how he needed to stand for that. And given how I was feeling in my body, it, something was off. It didn't, it felt armored. It felt like a fight. And I recognized that I've experienced that in many different conversations with different people. So it wasn't about this person. It was about that space for me between being justified in being right and righteous and fiercely loving my values and the things that are important to me and really standing on that sacred ground. So I so, oh, what is this? And just noticed it was a similar flavor to things I had experienced before. Huh. So what, uh, how did that resolve? I don't know that it particularly resolved with that person other than I said, you know, I, I noticed through the context of this conversation that I, I have some things to look at in myself and it's much bigger than, than just this conversation. It doesn't really have much to do with this conversation. And, um, and so I've, I've noticed in myself that when I'm really in fierce love, I'm not, I'll stand really strong in, in that space. And it's more of an offense of like, if someone comes into that and, and broaches that and brings up something that, that kind of goes against what I really believe in when I'm in fierce love, I really stand in that powerfully. And I'm really clear that what works and what doesn't work in my space and in my conversations while still making space for healthy conflict and different viewpoints. But when it's justified righteousness, I seek out places to make my point. That makes me, that makes me, um, it, it, it makes me, me sit up straight. I want to ask, what does the word righteous mean to you? So can I Being... step in real fast? Yeah, I wish you uh, would. Please. <laughs> so when you when you pose this question, I actually looked up righteousness in the dictionary, yeah. and it says act, Beautiful. acting in accord with divine or moral law. And I was looking into Ernest Holmes a lot before this podcast because I've I struggle with this a lot, Christina, in this idea of how to show up as a force in a world that I also want to change and, and how do I recognize like that, that place in between um, that feeling of fighting and then the feeling of being. And when I was listening to Ernest, Mm. he had said something that really resonated. I mean, he said many things that resonated, but a lot of them have to do with how we use our word and how we are constantly in a state of creating through what we say or choose not to say. So when he was talking about somebody who has found that, like what I imagine you're feeling when you're in that state of righteous love, he explained it um, being centered, not in the outer world, but in the inner world. And that then becomes a magnet and the world then sees the master. And it's not from the teaching that this person does, but from the being. 
And so this is like within all of us, right? But how to, how to be in that space of, of rooted being to allow the world to alter just from your presence. Mm. I like that. And how, and are there times when, when we put our foot down? That's kind of what I, I'm hearing you say or not say. Uh, but your foot's always down because you're centered. So you should never have a foot away. <laughs> right? Okay. Like, he also In an said, ideal world. He also says, Jesus, who said, it is done unto all the people as they believe. So if you are securing your beliefs of the world that you want to see, you're actually part of the creation of your vision. You are, you are creation. You are the word. And you can't just be the word when you're in meditation or when you're in that perfect spiritual place. We have to be the word when the world is crumbling from the coronavirus. We have to be the word. We have to produce the creation that is godlike, is the universal mind that is meant to be created in your uh, place. Okay. Katie, I love it. I'm loving it. By the way, it's so much fun to be in this uh, in this triangle with the two of you. Strong, yes. beautiful, powerful women. Um, Katie, when, as a mother, when do you when do you step in to correct what your daughter or son may do, and when do you allow whatever happened to just pass? Is there a measure for you on that? I allow everything to pass through that they're experiencing because it's a valid experience. I might question or ask them to explain things further and and guide them, but there's not necessarily something that, at least my aim is to never say this is right or this is wrong. I'm trying to produce a a feeling of right or wrong somehow from internal thoughts, from them internally thinking about their actions or what they said or what they did. So if Noah socks Tess in the face, what do you do? Well, I'd ask why he socked her in the face. And then we would sit down and, and really go through those emotions and ask how that made Tess feel. And hopefully it would end with an authentic apology and a hug and a realization that we don't do that to each other because that's not appropriate behavior. It hurts okay. people. <laughs> it's so funny that that's the one you brought up, David, because when you said that, I, I was thinking of what my own reaction would be and, and has been if, if kids are aggressive towards each other. And that's where, my, that's where my fierce love comes in. And mine is, it's never okay to hurt someone physically, ever. And I, and I get really strong in that space and when that's with an another that's with another adult, it can be aggressive and viewed as aggressive. Right, but it's never okay. But you want, in my opinion, you want the child to know it's not okay for deeper reasons. And my mom got really mad at me and said it's not okay. It needs to be an, a deeper connection to the connection of love and 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 what that meant. In my opinion, one hundred percent. And what about adults? Actually, what about adults that are more complicated? While you both are while you both are talking, I hear Katie answering the question that was posed by Christina: the fierce love versus um, uh, righteousness. The 
Um, the end result, well, I'm sorry, the, the shared context is what just happened is not acceptable. And one is I'm just going to suck you back. Or one is I'm going to ostracize you and you have nothing to do with me. And the other is um, drilling down so that there is a deep understanding of why such actions don't work in a world that works for everyone, that don't work in our agreements about how to behave with one another, that don't work with um, mutual respect and, uh, and um, kindness. So, mm-hmm. so the, trigger, the trigger may be exactly the same. And even the result is the same. Two women both saying, that's not okay. But one is, that's not okay. Here's a sock. <laughs> this is another sock back in the face. And the other is, hey, let's, let's, let's unpack this and look what just happened. And what is the ramifications and the fallout? How do you think that landed on your sister? Um, wow, this is such an interesting conversation. I wasn't expecting what I'm pondering. <laughs> Well, and when I worked at a school, it, it was that like we would, we had, we worked with, um, high, uh, high functioning special needs kids that could very well get into these aggressive things. And we would have to sometimes physically pull them apart. And, and it, the response was usually strong. That's, it's never okay to physically hurt somebody and enter into their space without asking. Hmm. And then, and then a full conversation would ensue. And I, I guess my question around that is, how do you transfer that to adults? Oh. Because it gets more complicated with adults. So I just remembered when when we spoke earlier this week, Christina. I just remembered what was coming to mind while you were while you were chatting with me, and that was um, where what is this person's role in my life? Will they continue to have a place in my life? Are they? Are they in part of my inner circle or even the, the next layer of circle? Or are they just a circle of acquaintance? If they're the circle, it depends on where they are, depending on, on where, I, where I welcome mm. them to be in my circle. That depends on, that would determine my actions and my conversations. Sometimes um, I will just let something go because it's really not worth it. And this person doesn't have a, a powerful, pivotal role in my life. If the person is very close and we have shared values and shared agreements, then I would definitely point out that that did not work and give the person a chance to remedy it. But it depends on who they are in my life. I, I know it in my life in the past, I've gone to battle with a lot of people and I did it just because I was in the mood to battle. But it was a waste of my energies and a waste of my psyche, if you will, many times because it didn't alter anybody and it just made me mad. And through your sharing of that, I, I noticed that in, in my own experience of all this and in my own rumbling with fierce love and justified righteousness, a piece that is mixed in there on a very personal level for me is healing codependence and healing being the hero because that was my role in so many relationships to be the fixer, to be the healer, to be the savior. And I don't want to step into that place and I can feel it activated at times. And as you were explaining that it depends on their role in your life, I'm noticing the part that makes it difficult for me to determine when it's fierce love versus justified righteousness is that those roles were actually flipped for me in the dysfunctional relationships. 
So in the ones that were close to me, I would let more things go when really I probably should have held them accountable because the relationship was too important not to. And the ones that I didn't know very well, I would battle with. So how, how is life, by the way, you left the West Coast and now you're living on the east side of the country. What's it like there for you? Mm. What are you learning about yourself, so Christina? It's a very different culture. It's, um, it's, not, it's not as inviting for these kinds of conversations, at least in, the, in upstate New York where I live. So it's, uh, it's a great place to uh -huh. practice this whole fierce love, justified righteousness, because there's so many things I want to, I want to share with people. And yet it, there's a lot of pushback when I'm not even in the space of thinking of, of these dynamics. And um, so it's the, uh, the environment is very different here. And it's also a, a more depressed area. There's a lot of poverty. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, constantly looking for ways that I can work with people here and empower people here in a way that's not, uh, that doesn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it doesn't disempower them further by coming off as belittling or condescending because it, it seems to be very, uh, very easily, brought up in this area, which I hadn't experienced at this level back in California and on the, on the West coast, because people are, at least the communities I was in, most people were pretty confident in who they were and comfortable and had at least their basic needs met. But here so many people are hurting that those things get triggered really easy. So it, so it makes me think about who am I being, how am I showing up and how can I, how can I bring the tools I have and the things that I've learned to a place that maybe doesn't have the same access to them. Right. You know, I keep, um, I keep coming back to this idea of just being rooted in your beingness and all else will come to fruition from your state rather than having to like actively try, you know what I mean? Like it's emanating from you and it does emanate from you. I'm, I was drawn to you, Christina and David initially right away because of that power and sometimes I feel like when we overthink it, it becomes eroded and that power gets lost in this thought process. But if, if you can be really solid in your strength, in your love, then I think all else might fall in place. And when I looked up love on the dictionary as well, what really connected with me is number eight. And that was a score of zero in tennis. Like if we just level the playing field, and it wasn't about getting your point of view or his point of view or anybody's point of view across, but rather just listening and being really, really rooted in, in your knowledge as a spiritual person who's, who's living in that place. I have to say, I am so in love with the way you think. I really, really do. Yeah, she is. Yes, she is remarkable. You so are. She? Just the way your mind works, and the way that you string together words and and put language to things is just so beautiful. Like I gotta say, I'm I'm doing this for my own good because recently I've been really caught up in this despair of the world, 
And listening to Ernest Holmes today really in the sunshine, I was listening to him in the sunshine and I'm like, I have power. I am not powerless right now. And my power really is in my thinking. It's in my choice to decide what I want to create from this point on. And if I'm going to add to the collective creation of fear, or am I going to add to the collective creation of beauty and love? And it's like, it's a trap right now. It feels like a trap. Like you are so invited into the fear. You're so invited into the division. There's so much division everywhere right now. And I think it's our job as people that are rooted more in a spiritual base to rise up and be a different vision, to use our word with more um, governness. Like we have to govern our word and, and, and mm, great boldly. Word. And wisely, not just flippantly. Totally. I have on my vision board this year, uh, bigger conversations, broad, broader thinking, and bolder decisions. And it's, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I actually feel that it's, uh, it's really, there's, I've seen a lot more connection in places that where maybe smaller conversations before going more mainstream like meditation. And um, I was on a call last week with Jean Kabat-Zinn and there was 22,000 people on that Zoom call. And I thought, oh my God, this, yeah. What? 22,000. How does that even work? Through Wisdom 2.0. I don't know, <laughs> but it did. Wow. <laughs> right? And so I just was, I was overloaded with, so much love and so much joy and thinking, Oh my God, we have this amazing opportunity to really step into this greatness that's here. And, and yet there's a, there's a quote that comes to mind by Joseph Campbell that says the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I think so many people are right there. And the more they resist that, the more they resist the shadow, the more, the longer it's going to go and the harder it's going to be. And it doesn't need to be if you can stand in that. And I, I was feeling the same way you were. I was really feeling the denseness of everything. And, and I thought, you know what? I, I needed to recommit to my values, which are deep love and profound connection and the divine humanity in all of us. And when I stand there, that's always fierce love. So, so Christina, what are you learning about your original question was, how to distinguish between fierce love and justified righteousness. Yeah, it's standing in my commitments 100%. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> Well, I realized it earlier today, but I thought I would kind of rumble through the process again and see if I got there. And, um, and I did. That's a very interesting word you use. You've used that a couple of times today, and I see it in email too, rumble. Yeah, I, I <laughs> like it. Um, but it's... David always says dare say, <laughs> so he has his own word. I dare say, <laughs> I dare say it's, um, it's actually from Brené Brown and she talks a lot about, you know, the reckoning and, and the rumbling. And I, and I love that because really it's kind of grappling with something that isn't physical, that isn't there. That's just a concept. Ready to rumble. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not so much that for me, it's more of like, who do you want to be? Where do you want to stand? And, um, and it's, it's a rumble for me cause I don't know the answer and I, and, uh, and I want to invite more people into that because I think like myself, so many people want to get it right. They want it to be perfect. 
And even I'm doing on my, on my group, my Facebook group, I'm doing rumble calls and, um, I have someone who's going to be on, on Monday. And we were having a conversation earlier and he, he goes, you know, I'm, I just, I don't know a lot. We're going to talk about native American wisdom. And he goes, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but I'm really interested and I'm really curious. And I was like, that's why I want to call it a rumble because we're, we're just going to see where that goes and just be curious and let, and let us model that for other people. Cause he's really introverted and, um, and he's excited to do that. And so I want to create spaces for more people to really rumble with what's going on inside rather than trying to get it right and trying to get it perfect. I like it. it. Cool. I like it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Katie, Katie, what are you, what are you learning about I've yourself today? I've learned a lot today. today. I've really taken back um, my consumption of Facebook and the news and I started listening to more spiritual podcasts today in part for preparation of this podcast, but it made me realize, man, I, I was inundated. I was in it. I was in the mix, you know, and while I need to be informed, I think there's also a bit that needs to, my spirituality needs to come back into a full swing. And I, 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 I put the bat down for a little bit. Here, here. <laughs> So I put oh, like it up today and, you know, I watched another podcast with a guy named um, Trevor Moad. Have you heard of him? Man, it was very no. interesting. So he's a, um, he works with a lot of sports teams to help them with their mindset. And he said something really interesting. He's like, nobody wants to just be told to be positive all the time. You know, you're having a rough day. Just be positive. Just be positive. But he goes into how our thoughts do shape our reality. And he made this, um, he made up something very easy. He's like, for many people, especially in the sports world, they're not going to get visualization right away or meditation right away. They take a lot of practice mostly. But if you up around not voicing negativity, like actually don't let the thought come out of your mouth. Because once a negative thought comes out, it has more of a chance of becoming reality. And that changed the whole football team. And there's something to that that I clung to with like, and he, he made a distinction between negative thinking, positive thinking and neutral thinking. Cause I often, okay, I don't want to be negative. So I go over the top and try to be like a Pollyanna type person. And that's not me, but there's that way to also be mindful of, okay, how is this thought? If I, if I articulate this negativity, going to benefit anything, is it, at the world that put created not maybe Katie I don't know Katie I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, me or if you're breaking up I'm your, noticing it too your voice is becoming um, oh, sort of Star Wars like <laughs> oh now it's good oh, maybe <laughs> yeah it's clear now to, like, move me. okay oh, I don't know what picked up from that but anyway well, what I want to, what I, uh, what I really want to get is what were you reading or listening to about? Uh, it was poems? on YouTube and it was about how thoughts create your reality. Um, and just about how our word really is everything. And that what we choose to make out of the universal mind, our choice as an individual and as a collective society, our collective whole, 
we're creating we're creating that cave that we want to go into or not or we're creating the darkness we're creating it's not it didn't seem like he was saying I mean the universal mind doesn't put a judgment on it it's us that's putting the judgment on it it's us that is validating or not validating something through our conscious mind Okay. Can you do me a favor? Can when you post this when you post this um, podcast, would you would you add a link to the yes, YouTube video you start. were watching? That would be great. Great idea. Chris, Christina, do you have anything else before we close? I just want to ask you what has come up for you and what's alive in you. What's alive in me is how how much more liberating I experience my life since since I got tired of being the world's policeman or <laughs> <laughs> trying to get people to get it how when I softened as a middle-aged man and just let people to be what they are and I choose whether I want to be around that or not it has really opened up sweetness in all of my communities it's like mm-hmm. I think I think maybe people are, are no longer afraid of me with a baseball bat <laughs> but I'm just noticing while you spoke how um, how sweet my life is right now. Aww. Thank you for asking. And it makes me so happy to be in the presence of the voices of the two of you. Likewise, David. Same here. I was so, so honored to join you guys. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for with joining. You. Well, I love you. You're welcome. Big love. love. All right, kiddos. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Happy, happy April. April. Here we go. Here we go. Bye. 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 Bye.